Christmas and thank you for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we'll be taking a look at the three comings of Christ. Jesus is in the Old Testament as the Spirit of the Lord. In the New Testament, we learn of His birth, death, and resurrection. Also, that He is coming again. Pastor Dwayne is about to drop some theology about Jesus, the one true King. Let's take a look. Merry, Merry Christmas, and a great to see you today. Uh, as you know, our faith, Christianity, is built on two supernatural events. That's the foundation. One, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. The other, the resurrection of Jesus. And today, uh, I'm going to give you, um, I would say, some theology, all right? But the, the, the reason for this is because what it will produce in you is hope, comfort, and faith. And, and literally, the Bible says that this will change the way that you live. So there, there is, a, there is a, a definite goal in where I'm going. And I want to just simply talk to you about Jesus throughout history. Jesus throughout history. Now, we're going to talk about Jesus' birth, but a lot of people don't realize that Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. And uh, typically in the Old Testament, when Jesus shows up, he's referred to as the angel of the Lord. For example, Joshua, Moses has just died. Joshua has become the new commander. He sees a man standing out in the field in front of him, and he says, are you for us or for our enemies? And he says, neither, but I've come as captain of the hosts of the Lord. And then he says to Joshua, take off your shoes because the place that you're at, it's holy ground. Right? Uh, what that was was actually an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. G uh, Joshua worships him, and which is what you'll find when the angel of the Lord shows up in the Old Testament. But uh, in Luke chapter 1, the angel comes to Mary, and the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what man of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Uh, the, this is when Jesus is announced to Mary. And uh, we know what happens. Everything the angel said came to pass. She finds herself with child. But before she had any union with Joseph. In fact, when the angel came to Joseph, he made this statement that Jesus would save his people from their sins. That's what he came to do. 
to save us from our sins, but to fulfill some promises that God had made. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, the disciples said to Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons when that's going to happen. You see, there's going to be a time when Jesus rules and reigns in Jerusalem over the house of Jacob or Israel. And in Revelation chapter 20, in six verses, it tells us six times that he is going to rule there for a thousand years. But that of the end of his kingdom, there will be no, there will be no end. After that, there is an eternal kingdom where Jesus rules and Jesus reigns. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. In other words, in the beginning, when God said, Let there be light, it was Jesus that said, let there be light. All things, visible and invisible, that have been created were created by him. And notice it goes on and it says, all things were created through him and for him. In other words, Jesus is the centerpiece of creation. It was all created through him and it's all created for him. That's why in Revelation 4.11 it says, and for thy pleasure we were created. That's why when people try to find their purpose and they look at themselves, you'll never find your purpose looking at yourself. Because you were created for his pleasure. Your purpose is connected to God. And if you don't realize that, you will never find your purpose. That's why I think it's so interesting. In some of the, the, the success seminars that are being held today, they just tell you, well, you just find yourself a purpose. You create one. You need to find a purpose. But the truth is, you were created already with a purpose. And it doesn't begin and end with you. It begins and ends with him. Right? And without that, we'll never, never understand why we were created. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were created through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now, one of the, th the things that happened when Jesus came to Bethlehem, it tells us here that everything was created by Him, and later on, in the 14th verse, it tells us that the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So he literally, he leaves heaven and he comes to earth. Now, the Jewish people were looking for the Messiah, but they missed Jesus because they were looking for the king. They were looking for somebody who was going to rule and reign. And Jesus is going to do that when he comes back. But they weren't looking for someone who was going to be a savior and to save them from their sins. In Hebrews 10, in verse 5, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Now, th this is great. How many of you, right before you came into the world, you were talking? See, but Jesus was already in heaven, and he had to leave heaven to come. 
When he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me. And burnt offering and sacrifice for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. That's why Jesus came, to do the will of God. He's a perfect expression of God's will. But notice it says, a body you have prepared for me. A body you've prepared for me. God prepared, especially in the womb of Mary, a body for Jesus. Right? Uh, completely human, but yet completely divine. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said it like this, for unto us a child is born and to us a son is given. A child is born referring to Jesus' human nature, but a son is given because he was already in heaven, had to be given from heaven to come to earth. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. See, the Jews were looking for a king to establish government. That's what they were looking for, and that's why they missed Jesus. Right? And, and I think today what we tend to have is we have in the church people are simply looking at Jesus as the one who came to pay for their sin and not realizing the government will be upon his shoulders, that he did not come just for our sin, but he is coming again and he is coming again to rule and to reign. And we need, to, we need to keep that in perspective. Again, the angel said to Joseph in that dream, he will save his people from their sin. Now listen to Hebrews 9. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin. In other words, the next time that Jesus comes, he's not coming as a suffering servant. The next time he comes, he's coming as king of kings. He's coming as lord of lords. He's coming to rule and to reign. And the Bible says he'll rule with a rod of iron. Notice, apart from sin for salvation. So he's coming again, but the next time he's coming, he's coming for those who are eagerly waiting for him. The last book in the New Testament, in your Bible, is the book of Revelation. And by the way, it's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. In that book, we find the first three chapters are talking to the church. In fact, 19 times in three chapters. In three chapters, it's talking church, 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 church. And then in chapter four starts off. And he said, I heard a voice and it said, come up here. And then for the next 17 chapters, there's nothing about the church. The reason is the church is gone. The church isn't here anymore. Now, one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we read our Bible, you and me, is we look at our Bible and we think that everything that's in there 
is talking about you. Now, it's written for you, but it's not necessarily talking about you. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, We give no offense either to the Jew, to the Greek, or to the church of God. There are parts of the Bible that are written strictly to the Jew, to Israel. There's parts that are written speaking to the world. And there's parts that are written speaking to the church. So it's for you. There's information there for you, but it may not be talking about what's going to happen to you. Everybody catch that? It could be to the Jews, to Israel. It could be to the church, or it could be to the world at large. And a mistake that we can make is to think that every single part of it is talking about what's going to happen to me, but it's not necessarily. It is for you. It's information for you, but it may not be what's going to happen to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Right. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those that have died in Christ, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe he came, he died, and he arose? All right, this is for you. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep or who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is coming back. Literally, every single New Testament author talks about Jesus coming again. Even if they just wrote one little chapter, right? They talk about Jesus coming back again, right? So he says this, if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have died in Jesus. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, we are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord. So there are going to be Christians that are alive when Jesus comes back. Not everybody's going to die, right? Now, here's his word. Those that remain unto the coming of the Lord will no more will, will no, by no means precede those who have died, who have fallen asleep. So it's saying this, that the people that have died in Christ and the people that are alive, both are going to receive the redemption at the same time. Both will receive full redemption at the same time. Now, to be absent from the body, if you're a Christian, is to be present with the Lord, all right? But you know what? We do a funeral service or a memorial service, and we, we often say, you know, they're not there. They're not in that body anymore. Because to be absent from the body is to be. But yet we take their body and we sow. First Corinthians literally says we sow the body looking to the resurrection. I think it's great that in the United States, when we bury people, no matter where you go, every single cemetery does the same thing, all right? We bury them with their feet facing east and their head facing west, right? You say, why? Because when Jesus comes back, he's going to appear in the eastern sky, so you flip up and you're going, hey, here I am. 
Okay. Because you were redeemed spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. But to be absent from the Lord, but from the body, excuse me, is to be present with the Lord, but yet you haven't received your full redemption. Because your body has not yet been redeemed. You will no more precede those who have gone asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. All right. So he's going to come back, and those that have died in Christ will be raised. You say, how is God going to do that? Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. How many realize that there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible? Right? And I've said this before, but let me just say it again. If you or I could figure it all out with our peanut brain, he wouldn't be much of a God. Right? So you're not going to figure this all out. But it tells us very clearly, we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Those that are dead, rise. Those that are alive are changed. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says it like this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we will all be changed. You know, I thought that's the verse that we should put over the nursery. They'll not all sleep, but they'll all be changed. <laughs> in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I wish it was that easy to get the diapers changed too, you know. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruption must put on incorruption. Mortality must put on immortality. Notice what Paul says, I show you a mystery, a mystery. In other words, there was no place before in the in the, the, the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament that talked about this, right? But yet he's saying, this is what's going to happen. It's clear now. Uh, I, I just want to read a little bit out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, I've got the Weiss translation here, right? He said, now, I am requesting you, brethren, with regard to the coming and personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ even our being assembled together to him, not to soon be unsettled, the source of the unsettled state being your mind, neither be thrown into confusion, either by a spirit, a believer in the Christian assembly, claiming the authority of divine revelation and claiming to give the saints a word from God, or through a word received personally, as if from us, or through a letter falsely alleged to be written by us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come and is now present. Do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way, because the day shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. And then the man of the lawlessness is disclosed in his true identity. Now, when it's talking about that lawless man, it's talking about the Antichrist. Right? And notice that the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes before the lawless one, the Antichrist, shows up. 
I know there's a lot of people concerned about the Antichrist. I don't know why. You won't even be here. You won't even be here. Because the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven takes place before the Antichrist can be revealed in his true identity and exalts himself above everyone and everything that is called God or that is an object of worship so that he sits himself in the inner sanctuary of God, proclaiming himself to be deity. Uh, this is one of the reasons I believe we are so near the time of Jesus' return. Because what that says the Antichrist will do is he'll go into the temple in Jerusalem. Right? Daniel's prophecy said he'll stop the sacrifices. And here it says he'll declare himself to be God, which also Daniel says. Right? Now, we're going to be going to, to Israel in about two months. And one of my favorite things is to go up on that temple mount where that new temple is going to be. And then you just walk a quarter mile or so and you go to the Temple Institute and you'll see literally the golden table of showbread that goes in the new temple. They've got the, the candelabra that goes into the new temple. They've got everything ready for the temple. They are ready. There has never been a day like today. They're training the priests that are going to do the sacrifices that the Antichrist stops today. You understand? We are, we are living in the last days. All right? 1 Thessalonians 1, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. From Revelation chapter 4 on towards the end, there's, there's, there's just chapter after chapter after chapter where the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. Right? But he comes to deliver us from the wrath that is to come. The church leaves before the wrath. It says again in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, who died for us, that whether we, late, whether we are awake or sleep, we should live together with him. See, he delivers us, the Bible says, from the wrath that is to come. So the next thing that's going to happen is going to be Jesus coming back for the church for the church. Now in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. This is what it's saying. Jesus is going to be revealed. He's going to come back. And if you have that hope in yourself as a believer, it says you purify yourself. It says you, you change the way that you live. Now, in Genesis chapter 5, way back in the beginning of the Bible, there's a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch is the seventh generation from Adam. And it says that he lived to be 65 years old and he begot Methuselah. After he got Methuselah, he walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. Now, the name Methuselah literally means, at his death, judgment falls. What a terrible name. Nobody want to mess with you, right? When you die, judgment falls. But Enoch is a prophet. And it's mentioned in the New Testament that he's a prophet. 
And when his son Methuselah is born, he sees God judge the earth and he sees the flood. And God reveals to him the time when it'll happen is when your son dies. And once that happened, the Bible says he walked with God. After that, he walked with God for 300 years. Before that, he lived different. But once he understood that judgment was coming, it changed the way that he lived. In fact, the Bible says he walked with God for 300 years. And it says he was not because God took him. Literally, he never died. He's out walking with God one day. God says, time to go home. Enoch says, well, I'll see you later. God says, hey, we're closer to my house than yours. Let's go. <laughs> Went to heaven, been there ever since. All right. Philippians 3.11. If by any means, Paul says, I might arrive at the goal. Now, I don't know if this has been your goal, but it should be. The out-resurrection from among those who are dead. Now, the Bible talks about two resurrections. There is the resurrection from the dead, which is Christians, when Jesus comes back. And there is the resurrection of the dead, which takes place a thousand years later when God is going to judge those that have died. So there's a resurrection of the dead, everybody. But there's the resurrection from the dead. And we, in his translation, literally refers to it as the out-resurrection. And Paul says, that's the goal. That's my goal. That's where I want to be. Now, for those that are alive when the Lord remains, and those that are, that, that are, are raised, you go to heaven. And, and I, I love this. Uh, they're, they're literally, you go to a party. When you think about this, the kingdom of God is a party. Because literally, you're going to go, and it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the first thing that happens when, when, when Jesus returns and you go to heaven. You hang out with Jesus. There's this huge party. Theologians differ on how long it is. Some say it's a three-and-a-half-year party. Some say it's a seven-year party. Uh, whichever it is, I, I, I go with the seven years because I'm a partier. All right? But, but we're going to be there. There's going to be a party. And by the way, listen, listen. God's been planning this party for at least 6,000 years. This is going to be a party. All right? We do, not want, we do not want to miss the party. We're going to be in heaven. Zechariah prophesies in Zechariah 14. And he says, And I will gather all nations to gather against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken. The house is rifled. The women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity. The remnant of the people will not be cut off from the city. And the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet, Jesus' feet, will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half the mountain shall move to the north and half of it to the south. Then you will flee through the mountain valley. The mountain valley shall reach to a hill. Yes, you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And thus the Lord my God will come, listen, and all the saints with you. And all the saints what? With 
you. So you're going to go to heaven. You're going to be there for a while. But then you come back with Jesus. He's going to come at with a battle that we refer to as Armageddon, right? And he's going to fight for Israel, and you are going to be with him. Enoch also prophesied about this. It's in the New Testament. He's quoted. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands and thousands and times thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they've committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Jesus comes back again to rule and to reign. The saints are with him. He comes back to execute judgment. And again, we talked about it that thousand years. In Revelation 20, it says, I fall thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. The souls of them who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus, the word of God, and had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead didn't live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is those that are raised and reign with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead, their bodies aren't raised until the thousand years are finished. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, again, six times in six verses. It tries to make it really clear that it is a thousand years. But at the end of that thousand years, something happens. And that's the end of that time that the disciples talked to Jesus about in Acts chapter 1, where he's going to rule over Israel. But then John said, what's going to happen afterwards? And it's referred to as the eternal kingdom. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And by the way, it's talking about a new atmosphere, a new earth. For the first heaven, atmosphere, first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye, and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And that is going to be forever and ever and ever and ever. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. You know, the world that we're living in today, this earth, was cursed because of sin. I don't know about you, but I still like it. But there's one coming that's going to be perfect with no curse. I've heard people say, ha, ha, who'd want to go to heaven anyway, float on a cloud and play a harp? Where did you get that from? 
you know. Uh, people have pictures of little naked baby angels with little bow and arrows. You know, that's, that, that, there's none of that in the Bible, by the way. Right? Heaven literally comes down from that place where it is today and comes to a brand new blessed earth. It's interesting. We start out in a garden in Genesis. But you know where we end up again? We end up in a beautiful garden again with God having fellowship. As it was in the beginning, no more tears or death or sorrow or crying or pain because all of those things will pass away. Jesus came, left heaven, came to earth, born at Bethlehem, lived without sin, died, paid for your sin and my sin, rose again, but he is coming again for those who are eagerly waiting for him. And then he's going to come back again. And he's going to rule and he's going to reign for a thousand years. And the Bible says the saints are going to reign with him. And then John said, I saw what's going to happen. There's going to be a brand new atmosphere and a brand new earth. And God is going to move. He said that new, God's city, the new Jerusalem. You know, you move, you take a U-Haul. God moves, he takes a city. He's coming down. And he said, I will dwell with them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. So if you've been watching the program today, but inside you're like, you know, I'm not where I should be with God. I need forgiveness. I need to get right with God. I'm away from the Lord. I, would, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. But also, if you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God. If I'd say, are you a Christian? You'd say, well, I'm trying to be. I hope I am. But the Bible says, know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. And if you don't know that for sure, you're not where you should be with God. And I want to invite you also to pray. Right? You're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven that I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom, on my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are forgiven and right with God. You need, this is the first step into the kingdom of God. Now, you need to keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a small book to help you keep growing spiritually, full of bullet points to help you in your walk with God. Now, we want to give it to you free of charge. You can download an electronic copy, or if you'll contact us, we will send you a hard copy. All the information is right there on your screen. And I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you. God bless. Have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. 
Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. There are so many ways to give during the holiday season, but if Walking by Faith has been a blessing to you, I'd like to give you a special opportunity to give back and help us as we change lives with the truth of God's Word all around the world. Please take a moment to give us a call or go online to make a year-end gift. 100% of your gift will be used to change lives all around the world. Thank you and God bless. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we want to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, or through our app. Also, find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. We'll see you again next time.